Our precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment in time when we can agree together. Father, I thank you that your word tells us that where two or three are gathered together in your name, there you are in the midst of them. And so, Father, we agree together that the name of Jesus is worthy to be praised and glorified. We agree together that we are the body of Christ. We agree together that it is good for us to fellowship with one another, to worship together, to sense the love of brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, we agree together that those among us who are suffering physically, that it is your desire to bring healing and wholeness into their lives. So Father, we pray today that you would move by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that as we worship together, we can sense your presence among us. Father, I thank you that as the word goes forth, Your word says that it will not return void, but it will accomplish your plan and your will and your desire. And so, Father, we want to open up our hearts. We want to say, God, move in us and use your word to accomplish much in our lives. Father, we realize that the last month and a half have been very different for us as a church family. But I thank you, God, that you are still moving. I thank you, Lord, that you are still accomplishing much. Father, thank you for the new Silver Creek family that exists not only here in the Marquette area, but Lord, throughout the state of Michigan and in other states in this country, those that are identifying with what God is doing here at Silver Creek and in their lives, and they have become part of of our church family. Father, I pray your blessing upon them. Lord, we pray that you would open the hearts of many others that would become a part of this church family, even if only virtually. We thank you for that, and we praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, Silver Creek Church family. It is wonderful to be able to come into your home today and to be able to share the Word of God. Before I begin my message, <clears throat> I just want to say uh, that it, 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 is, um, it goes without saying, but I want to say that I, I miss all of you. Uh, I'm praying for you. I'm thinking of you, and um, I'm looking forward to the time When we can be back together again, I believe that it will be uh, relatively soon. But of course, we're just waiting uh, to see what's going to happen as we move forward. But it is wonderful to be able to, to be with you today. I want you to know that on Sunday mornings, I sit in my living room with my family the way you are right now. And I'm watching those comments that are coming across Uh, the screen and I am rejoicing and I am fellowshipping and I am being blessed uh, by your comments and what I see. So I want you to know right now uh, that I love you, that I am so thankful 
to be here in Marquette, Michigan. I am so thankful to be a part of Silver Creek Church, and it has just been the blessing of my life, and I would want to be nowhere else on the face of the earth than right here, right now, in this time with you. And so it's so great. Encourage one another with your comments this morning. Give us a shout out. Let us know where you're watching from. It was really great last week. Some people said they were watching in their bedroom. Um, some, <laughs> some people said they were watching with their spouse. We're really uh, hoping that you'll let us know what city you're watching from. Give us that, that place, um, especially if you're outside the Marquette area. Um, we, were, uh, we were able to determine that there were 17 cities uh, in the, the or 15 or 17 cities in the state of Michigan where people were joining us from, and there were seven different states where people were watching um, with us and sharing with us last Sunday morning. So we hope to see that grow and see others. If you are one of those people that's from outside uh, the Marquette area, we want you to know that we're so glad that you're with us. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family. We'd love to have them become a part of our Silver Creek Church family as well. And we want you to know that we take that very seriously and we want to open our arms and welcome you into this church family. So thank you for being here with us. I'm glad that you've joined us today. This is our message today uh, from our Hope Has a Name uh, series that we are on this month. And this particular message, I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, titled Hope in a Future. And um, as, we, as we get into this message, I, I, I still am in my own everyday life. I'm still reflecting back on our, um, um, on our Feeding America event that we held um, what would have been now a week ago from the day that I'm recording this. Um, and I just want you to know that as a church family, you did such an amazing job. I'm so proud of you, and I want you to know that we are getting calls from other organizations who are looking to bring feeding events into their community, as well as those organizations that want to send additional food into the Upper Peninsula through us. And so that's very exciting to me. I hope that we'll be able to share more details about that in the coming days and weeks. Make sure that you have signed up for our emails uh, that go out every week because that's where we're really uh, sharing the bulk of our information. Um, if you have not done that, you can go um, to our website, silvercreekchurch.org, and you can sign up for that, uh, that email there. And uh, Otherwise, you could just call us here at the church office. Kay would love to get you signed up for that. So a couple of years ago, um, I was attending my annual uh, silent prayer retreat in Wapaka, Wisconsin, and our retreat director took us through an exercise, and the exercise consisted of one question, and we were told to get alone and that we needed to um, find a place to be where no one else would bother us, we really needed to be alone, and that we needed to take uh, time um, on this exercise, and the question was this: You are going well. The statement: You are going to die in exactly thirty minutes. Plan how you will spend that thirty minutes. 
Now, I spent about the next hour writing feverishly, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, um, I, was, I was shedding a lot of tears as I took time to describe and write down in great detail the things that I would say to my beautiful wife, who undoubtedly right now as, as we watch this service, I'm sitting next to her on our couch. I, I, I made statements to my children. Um, and, and this week I decided that I would go back through those notes and take a look at them. And I found myself getting emotional again as I look back at my notes. And part of it is because earlier that year, um, while I was exercising, I had a coronary arrest, and, and literally my heart stopped beating. I fell to the floor dead, but by the grace of God, I am still here today. But uh, I, I, I want to think about this for a moment because I think it, it really it's important for us to think about what would you do if you only had a few minutes to live? And you might say, well, you know, Kevin, that's really ridiculous. Well, it, it's not as ridiculous as you think. Uh, it, maybe you can remember uh, this happening um, uh, several years ago. But uh, a woman named Cindy Manley, she, she found out that she thought she only had 20 minutes to live. And she began to send text messages to her daughters who did not live where she lived. Her uh, daughter Elena lived in, uh, she was a student at Seattle University. She texted her and she said, stay strong. No matter what happens, take care of your sister. Find a way to get to California and be together soon and be a family. I love you so much. Daughter number two, Alyssa, she wrote, uh, quickly and texted and said, no matter what happens, get your degree. Only a parent would think of that with 20 minutes to live. She goes on and says, have a good life, be successful, take care of your sister. Now, Cynthia lived in the state of Hawaii, and at 8.07 a.m. on January 13th in the year 2018, she, along with the rest of the state, received a, a, a text message from the state's alarm system that said this, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii, seek immediate shelter, this is not a drill. And so for the next 40 minutes, people throughout the state believed that they were just about to die in a nuclear blast. And you can go on YouTube and you can uh, look at videos that will show parents lowering their children down in through a manhole in the street in order to get their children below ground so that they would be protected and sheltered from a blast. And I'll tell you what, no parent would ever, on a normal situation, ever consider lowering their children below the street through a manhole. Now, I'm really thankful that this, uh, this alert that they received was only a false alarm, but it really makes you think about what is most important in life. That's why the exercise at my silent prayer retreat was so effective for me because I had already been placed in a situation where I had thought so much about what was really important to me, and it came for me really down to family. 
Well, we hear stories today about people that are really struggling to maintain their hope over this past month or so. And I want to share with you today that I believe that God has a hope and a future for you. We've read this verse many times together before from Jeremiah 29, 11. Many of you can quote it from memory where the prophet says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Far too often, Christians associate these words with only our, our life in the here and now. But I believe that those plans that God has for us for a hope and a future also allude to what is going to happen beyond this life. And today I'd like us to look at three questions that I think we should ask ourselves that are going to impact that hope and that future. So here we go. Question number one. Am I ready? Now, I love to watch or go to home improvement stores. I, I love to watch home improvement uh, programs as well. But here locally, I, I have to admit, and I, I like to go in, in all of them, but, but I, my, my, my habit is really to go most often to Menards. And when you buy stuff at the, the building material desk, you have to drive around the side of the building and you go to the guard shack and you show them your receipt. And one day as I was uh, driving up to the guard shack, I roll down my window, I show him my receipt and he scans it in and he asks me this question, do you know where you're going? And I, I, I'd never had this thought before without skipping a beat, without even a thought. I blurted out the words, yes, I'm going to heaven. How about you? I think it really threw the guy for a loop. Now, I said something several weeks ago that someone had mentioned to me that a co-worker had asked when all of this with COVID-19 began to really break loose, they were asked the question, is this the end of the world? And I said at that time that I, I firmly believe that, of course, this is not the end of the world, but this is not the first time this question has been asked and wondered out loud. I think of a, a couple that I met years ago, an older couple, um, their names were Henry and Lottie. And Henry and Lottie were from Poland. And they, they did not know each other in Poland. Um, as the Nazis invaded their country, they were both forced to leave their job and, and their farm. Henry worked as, a, 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 as part of the railroad and he, um, he went to work every day and he was somebody that, that, that was in a, a place alongside the railroad track that would change the signals. And Lottie grew up on a farm. 
and and Henry found out that that the Nazis were were looking for him and asking questions and in the middle of the night Henry left his home he left his job the Nazis came to Lottie's farm and took the family farm and she never saw her family again both of them wound up coming to America and meeting one another uh, here in the US and so for both of them, I imagine the idea, the question about the end of the world was something that they thought, and it's been thought time and time again in different circumstances in our world. But when we think about that question, the answer is, is no, it's not the end of the world, but it begs the question <clears throat> that I think we should ask ourselves, and that is, am I ready? Now, your response to that question may be this, ready for what? And I think that's an excellent question and an excellent response. And the Bible says that as followers of Christ, as believers, there is, there is two, one of two options um, that will happen in order for you and I to transition from life here on earth to life in heaven, to life eternal. Now, the Bible gives us uh, those, and I'm going to share them with you. The first one is this found in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, where the writer of Hebrews says this, Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face Judgment. So as we pass physically from <clears throat> this life to the next life, we understand from Hebrews 9.27 that we are going to give an account for our lives. In fact, Jesus in Matthew chapter 12.36, he tells us that everyone is going to give an accounting for our lives. So the process is that we die, we leave this life, and enter into eternity, and step one is giving an account of our lives. And it doesn't matter if you're Billy Graham or Billy Joel, you will give an accounting for your life. Secondly, Jesus tells his followers, don't be worried about my leaving because I'm going to come back and take you to be with me to a place that I've prepared for you. That's one of my favorite verses found from John chapter 14, the first three verses there in that chapter. <clears throat> but the Apostle Paul describes what Jesus was talking about there when Jesus said, I'm going to return so that I can bring you to be with me. The Apostle Paul describes what that's going to be like in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 7, 17, where he says this, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. We refer to this as the blessed hope. We call it the rapture of the church. As believers, the Bible says <clears throat> that 
as Jesus returns, that the dead in Christ, in other words, men and women and young people that have accepted Christ as their personal Savior and have gone on and died before us, that they will rise first and they will go to meet the Lord. And then those of us that are still alive and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we will then follow, we will meet the Lord in the air, and we will be with him forever. Today, if you're wondering about the criteria for being ready for that hope and that future that God desires for you, that he has in store for you if you will accept it after this life is over, I want you to know that the answer to that is extremely simple. It's found in the most quoted verse in all the Bible. Most of us that grew up going to church, going to Sunday school, going to children's church, going to some sort of a kid's church program, we have memorized that verse. It's from the book of John, chapter 3 and verse 16, where Jesus says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Those are some pretty encouraging words. I want you to know that God has provided a way for you and a way for me to be ready to receive this hope and this future that he has desired for us, that he has planned out for us. And once we have accepted him as our Lord and Savior, that hope and that future is ours. Once we've established our own, re- our own readiness, it's a lot like uh, the instructions that they give us on an airplane. If you're flying on an airplane <clears throat> and all of a sudden there's a loss of pressure in the cabin, They say that there are those little oxygen masks that are going to drop down out of the ceiling and they specifically tell you to put yours on first and then and only then are you able to help those that are sitting next to you. The thought process is this, that if you try to help someone that's next to you and you haven't helped yourself first, you're going to run into problems and maybe neither one of you will survive. So help yourself first. So after we have made sure that our hope and our future is restored, is, is fully secured in Jesus Christ through our salvation, well then the next thing that we need to do is move on to question two, and that is this. Am I persuading others? If I discover that hope has a name and his name is Jesus and that he has provided a hope and a future for me, doesn't it make sense that just like on that airplane that I would want to make sure that I tell others, that I help others so that they can also be ready. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, the Apostle Paul says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He's agreeing with what Hebrews 9.27 said, that it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. Let me go on. So that each of us may receive what is due us 
for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. Since we believe we must give an account before God, we should also seek to persuade others because we understand that fact. I want to take you back a ways in history. It was a Sunday night, October 8, 1871, and Pastor Dwight L. Moody was preaching the evening service at the Illinois Street Church which eventually would become known as Moody Church in Chicago, Illinois. Moody decided that night that rather than to provide a salvation altar call, that he would send his congregation home to think about their personal relationship with Christ, hoping that they would return then the next week ready to make a lasting decision. He wanted them to really think it over and to really be sure that they wanted to accept Jesus as their Savior without any pressure by him in the moment. As they closed the service that evening, they were singing a hymn. And the reports that we have from history is that already you could hear the sound of fire engines on the street. We have since learned, of course, that that night a great fire broke out in the city of Chicago that left 100,000 people homeless. The very building from which he spoke that evening was destroyed by fire. 300 people that evening lost their lives. Many of them were in that church service that very night. They died in the blaze within just hours of that service. After that happened, Dwight Moody lived with a tremendous, deep sense of regret until his death for delaying giving people the opportunity to make that decision to follow Christ. He was convinced that there were those, some of those who died without securing a hope and a future for eternity. And I, I believe that it's possible that you and I, as we get to the end of life or even as we transition from this life, is it possible that we will regret not sharing with others what it is to have that hope and that future? One day I was walking around the block in my neighborhood and it was about this time of year and there was a lady that was scraping ice at the end of her driveway and she was several driveways ahead of where I was on my walk. And I specifically felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and tell me that I needed to stop and talk with her. I'm ashamed to tell you that I began to argue with God. I began to say, God, I really, I don't have time. I'm, I'm trying to get healthy here. I'm trying to exercise. 
And every few steps, it just got stronger and stronger. The Holy Spirit telling me that I needed to stop and talk with her. And finally, I decided that I would make a deal with God. Now, I don't advise this because I don't think we really can make a deal with God. But I said, okay, God, I will say hi to her. And if she engages me, I will stop and I will talk with her. So as I approached her driveway, I looked her way and I said, hello. And as soon as I said hello, she stopped working and she engaged and she literally made it known that she was there to talk. Over the course of our conversation, she asked me early on what I did for a living. And this was strange because women just They don't do this. She asked me what I did, and I told her that I was a pastor of a church in Harvey. She literally put her her arm on her shovel handle and then laid her head on her arm in a in a in a a, like a and she said, I'm literally having a crisis in my faith right now at this moment at the end of my driveway. I was able to spend time talking with her, praying with her, and she began to follow Jesus. And God gave her a hope and a future for eternity. The Apostle Peter in his first letter In the third chapter, verse 15, he says this, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. And then he says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the what? The hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I believe that if we have hope, And if we believe in that hope, and that is Jesus, and that he has a hope and a future for us, that our desire should be that we will in turn share that hope. We'll we'll do it with gentleness, we'll do it with respect, but we should be prepared at any moment, at any opportunity, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, I want you to stop and talk to that person, rather than to argue with him, to say, okay God, I'm ready, I'm going to share with them the hope and the future that I have in Jesus Christ for all eternity. And question number three that I think we need to ask ourselves that's going to make an impact in the hope and the future that we have is this. Am I doing the little things? I want to read a verse from Matthew chapter 25 verse 23 but I'm going to be reading from uh, the ESV and, and I'm reading it because there's just one little word change and here's the verse. It says Jesus is and, and we know that Jesus is telling us the parable of the talents and here's what it says in verse 23. His master said to him, well done good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. 
The servants who were faithful in doing the little things were rewarded with much more. Now, let me ask you this. What are the the little things that Jesus is talking about here? You see, we minimize the little things. And often what we're really concerned with or maybe even asking God about is the big things. But maybe what God is really concerned about in our lives are the little things. So what would those things really be? A little earlier in chapter 5, Jesus talks about meeting the needs of those that are hungry, meeting the needs of those that are thirsty, meeting the needs of those who are strangers or those who are sick or those who are imprisoned, those who need clothes. It's amazing to me how God works. Just this afternoon in a meeting that I was having uh, with some of our leadership here at Silver Creek, I was told of a a phone call that came in, a request for for steel-toed boots. And the request came to Barb Markavrich, our our, um, thrift store director. And and so Barb went into the thrift store and found a pair of steel-toed boots that were practically brand new. And it turned out they were the exact size that this person needed and fit them perfectly. I believe that God desires to work through us to meet these kinds of needs. And you might think, and I might think, well, that's a little thing. But I believe that we need to ask ourselves, are we really doing the little things? And Jesus said that we need to be faithful over the little things. And when we're faithful over those little things, he will then make us the ruler or master over the big things. Some of you are doing that right now. Some of you are preparing meals for those that are hungry. And you're meeting those needs. Some of you have been told that there are homeless people. There's a half dozen folks that are homeless that are are being sheltered right here at a hotel in our community. And you have begun to sign up for a meal train to provide them food for the next week in the evening, the, the supper time meal, and you have signed up to do that. Some of you, maybe this is the first time that you've heard that. I want you to know that that's still available, that you can sign up to do that. And you think, but that's just a little thing that I can do. But that's what Jesus tells us to do, to do those little things that will minister to people. Some of you volunteered at Feeding America. You say, well, Pastor Kevin, that was just a little thing. Some of you have brought gift cards to people that that you have found in the community that have needs to provide them with groceries. Maybe you're sending a card of encouragement to someone I received a card of encouragement just yesterday from someone encouraging me. And that may have seemed like a small thing to someone else, but it's a blessing to me and to others who receive it. Maybe you decided to pick up groceries for a friend and deliver them. Maybe you're someone who's sewing masks for health professionals in our community. 
I know that someone from our church family somehow has access to a, 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 a 3D printer and, and along with other people in the community, they are printing hundreds and even thousands of the face shields for our medical uh, community. You might say, well, that's just what I can do. It may not seem like a big thing to you. Maybe you're just making phone calls to those that are a little older or a little bit more at risk in our community or here in our church family. All of this and much, much more are the little things that Jesus is talking about. I remember as a young teenager, I got a job corn detasseling for a few weeks during the summer. Now, those of you that don't know what uh, corn detasseling is, it's something that you do in the hottest part of the summer, and you walk down the rows of the corn, and certain rows, you have to pull that, that pollination tassel out of the top because there are other rows that are going to pollinate that, and it's how they make hybrids of, of seed corn. And so that's what we would do for hours on end. It was incredibly hot. It was incredibly tiring. That job was maybe like one step above uh, Christmas tree shearing, um, but it was difficult, hot work. And at night, before I would go to bed, I would take my canteen and I would fill it with water and I would put it in the freezer overnight so that as it melted throughout the day, I would have ice cold water. And by the hot afternoon, man, I, it was fantastic because I could take that canteen out and I could pull that top off it and I could take a couple of sips and it was so cold. It was just, I, I mean, it was amazing. But it never failed that some other kid that didn't bring a canteen or didn't bring a jug of water would ask me if they could have a drink from my canteen. I can remember, I can remember a Bible verse running through my mind that compelled me to say yes. In this COVID-19 world right now, we couldn't imagine a stranger using our, our, our glass or our canteen uh, that we were going to continue to drink out of in such a case. But this was not the time then. But I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 10 and verse 42 where Jesus says this, And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water, to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. It's the little things that really make a difference in times like this. When we do the little things, I believe that it adds to our hope, and to our future. And I believe it even speaks to those who do not know Christ. 
that will cause them to hunger and to thirst after a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And when they come to Christ, they find that they have a hope, that they have a future that God has in store for them for all the all of eternity. So I want to encourage you today to get out there and to be the church and to do again and again the little things and God will use those things for his glory and others will come to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Man, I I even want to encourage you, let us know of those little things that you're doing so that we can rejoice with you that God is giving people a hope and a future through those little things. As I close this morning, I want to go back to what I talked about early on in my message on January 13th, 8.07 a.m. 2018 in Hawaii. That day, there was a Catholic theology teacher named Carter Dallas that heard that alert that day about the inbound ballistic missile. It's reported about in a Catholic organization, so I I just want to share with you that, that this man, Carter Dallas, he had four thoughts. The first thought was this, oh no, I haven't gone to confession yet. His second thought was this, how do I do a perfect contrition? In other words, how do I pray the perfect prayer of repentance? And thirdly, his thought was this, I've got to get my kids praying the rosary right now. And his fourth thought was, where's my whiskey? Now, If you've been wondering today about your own readiness for eternity, if you've been wondering if God has a hope and a future prepared for you, I want you to know that you don't have to go anywhere. And you don't have to see anyone or know how to recite any perfect prayer, and you certainly don't have to go to a bottle. All you need to do is to acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that He died for your sins, and accept Him as your Savior right now. I love the words of John the Beloved in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, where he says that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This morning, if you say, Pastor Kevin, I want to know for certain that God has a, an eternal hope and a future for me, I want us to pray together. Let's bow our heads together. Let's close our eyes and let's just pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I want a hope and a future for all eternity. And I recognize today that I'm a sinner and that I cannot rid myself of my sin on my own. I believe that your son Jesus is the Savior of the world, the Son of God.
I believe that he came to this earth and that he died on the cross for my sin rather than his own. And I believe that on the third day, God, you raised him from the grave, from the dead, and brought him back to life. And that one day, he's coming back again. So, Father, I ask you that Jesus would come into my life to forgive me and be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, I'm so glad for those of you that prayed that prayer of salvation today. If you did that, I want you to let us know so that we can rejoice with you that God has that hope and future for you. For those of you that have already known that that hope and that future, you already have that relationship with Christ and you want to persuade others and you want to continue to do those little things for God and maybe even more things, let's take it to the next level and let's pray this prayer together. Lord, what do you want to do in those who are around me? And then ask yourself, what should I do? Start by asking the Lord, what do I do for those that are around me? And, that, and, and what needs do they have? And ask yourself, what should I do? And then begin to meet those needs. Begin to act in Jesus' name. I believe that if you and I will do that together, that God will begin to do more miracles than we could ever think or imagine. I realize today that there are many in our world who are suffering, but I also know that today there is an opportunity for the body of Christ, the church, to rise up in Jesus' name and to declare that Jesus is their Lord and their Savior, to share that and to minister to needs in Jesus' name. And I believe that as Scripture says, that as, as we lift him up, that people will be drawn to Jesus. I'm so glad that you've come today to meet with us virtually. I pray God's blessing on you. Father, I pray for these folks that are gathered here today. I pray your blessing upon them. I pray that we will take this hope and a future to the next level. I pray that, that we will look for, for those around us who have needs and we will ask ourselves and ask you, what should I do? And we will begin to take that to the next level. Father, I pray your blessing upon your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. We're so glad that you're a part of our Silver Creek family. God bless you. We'll see you soon.